0: Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 169 and today I'm going to be talking about visions and dreams. Don't think I've ever actually spoken about visions before but this is such a great text. Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones. So last week I had a memorable conversation with a friend who was telling me that she had a dream and in the dream she remembered something that she had long long forgotten and upon awakening and remembering the dream she considered the dream and she said I need to I really need to forgive this person I'd forgotten all about that incident but I need to forgive this person because it's holding me back today. She didn't go into any details about what had actually happened or what, you know, I didn't get any details, but she did say that she realized that some of the problems that she was having today were related to something that had happened long, long, long ago. And what was fascinating is, is that she had even forgotten that this particular thing had happened. Until this dream came. And I remember listening to her and I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of unusual, somewhat unusual that someone would pay attention to their dreams. I mean, it's not everyone. I know that there are people that do pay attention to their dreams, but overall, I would say that overall, a lot of people don't really pay any attention to their dreams, right? But she believed that her dreams could be purposeful in regard to information, and in regard to God bringing her helpful information uh, that would bring healing to her life. And this is actually a very old biblical understanding of the dream world and that applies to visions as well and vision a vision is is a dream but you're awake i think that's maybe how we uh tell the difference between the two if you have a vision you're awake but if you know obviously if you have a dream you're sleeping but in the biblical world in the in the old testament and in the new testament there's a fair amount of discussion and teaching on dreams and visions. Because the ancient people believed that a vision, a dream, yeah, these are definitely ways that God can communicate with us. And so every so often as you read through the scripture, you'll come across some prophet or another having a vision and 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 giving out that vision or telling him that vision to a group of people. And the people were very receptive for the most part. I mean, not always. But, I mean, it wasn't terribly unusual for a prophet, basically, a spokesman or a spokeswoman for God, spokesperson, right? Um, it wouldn't be that terribly unusual for a prophet to say, hey, I got this vision from God and this is what God's saying. Whereas from my perspective, from me in a mainline Protestant church uh, in North America, yeah, that would be an unusual thing. If I stood up in the pulpit and said, okay, people, uh, here's, the, here's the thing. I had this vision last week, and this is what I believe God is, is saying to us. Uh, yeah, I mean, there'd definitely be some people that would maybe go along with it, but there would be a lot of us that would be thinking, What? What's that all about, a vision? Yeah. More unusual for us in sort of mainline Protestant America to be talking about visions. But for the ancient people, nothing unusual about that at all. So I want to tell you about this vision that Ezekiel had. And I'm going to try and not sing the song. Yeah, because, I mean, every time you think, you talk about the valley of the dry bones, you know what's going to happen, right? But I'm going to resist the temptation. I'm not going to go there. But first of all, before I tell you about the vision of the valley of the dry bones and all the bones coming to life, uh, I'll tell you about the background. I'll set it in context for you, because this happened almost 600 years before Jesus is born. And the ancient people, Israel, their arch enemy, Babylon, ancient Babylon, had attacked and won the battle, won the war. Now, ancient Israel had been warned that calamity would surely come upon them if they continually refused to pay any attention to God's ways. But the story is that they never really paid much attention to God and God's ways, and so what happens is, is what always happens when nobody pays attention to what is right and good. Uh, dishonest practices were rife within the community, and there was a lot of lying and stealing and financial meltdown, and there was. Famines and there was a profound lack of care for people. Selfishness reigned. And eventually, you know, once you have this year after year after year, it affects your whole culture and um, your economy and everything. And so it came about that ancient Babylon attacked ancient Israel. They won the war. And as was the custom, they would take, basically steal, the brightest and the best, and take them back to Babylon. And these people were called the exiles. So after the war was won, they would choose the most gifted people, and they would take them, whoever whoever the ancient Babylons thought were going to be the most useful in their land, they would take them back, and they would have to live as exiles in a foreign land. So they, that's how they ended up, the exiles. They would they, they were forced to leave their their land, their home, their community, their their religion. And they would live in this foreign land, different language, culture, and you know, I suppose at first the exiles are hoping that God's going to come in and save them. But what happened was is that the years began to pass. And there's no sign of God coming and taking them, bringing them back home again. And decades passed. And so at this point in the story, the exiles are are finding themselves completely cut off. I mean, it's bad enough that they were exiled. It's bad enough that this happened. But the worst thing is, is that they had been warned that if they continued to not listen, that all would not be well, but they never paid attention. And now they find themselves in this place where all is certainly not well. So I think we can kind of relate to some of this, by the way, because it's bad enough when you find yourself in a difficulty of some kind. It's bad enough if you find yourself suffering but it's much worse if you have the added burden of knowing that this probably could, could have been avoided had you listened, right? Who hasn't experienced this? You're in a bad place and you think, you know, if I hadn't taken that path, if I, haven't, if I hadn't chosen that way, then I probably wouldn't be in this place that I'm in today that I don't like being in so i don't think that at, at, in some of the le- some level of thinking that's that unusual what the ancient people did you know they wanted to do their own thing they they were sure that they were in the right they didn't want to listen to any warnings of any prophets they suddenly didn't want to listen to what god had to say about anything they cut their own course and it's not worked out for them at all and that's the setting that we find the ancient the house of Israel, that's the setting that we find them in. And Ezekiel, their prophet, speaks to them at this point in their history. Now, so Ezekiel's a prophet, and God decides to give Ezekiel this very strange vision Uh, about a valley full of dry bones. And they're very, very dry, the text points out to us. So not only does he see this valley of dry bones, but the passage points out to us that they are extremely dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel, mortal, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answers, Oh, Lord God, you know. Which is kind of an interesting answer because in some ways it's like, no, of course they can't live. They're bones, right? God says, mortal, can these bones live? I mean, the obvious answer is, no, they can't because it's just a field of bones. But I guess I'm thinking maybe at this point Ezekiel's like, well, you know, I don't know I think I'll play it safe here Uh, I've seen God do things that I wasn't expecting in the past so let's just say I don't know I'm not sure only you know God I'm staying open I'm staying open I think Ezekiel's saying And God continues the conversation and the vision, and God says, okay, Ezekiel, I want you to speak to the bones. I want you to prophesy, speak to the bones. And I want you to say, bones, hear the word of God. You will live. You will live. And Ezekiel does as he's told, and the bones begin to join together. And not only did they begin to join together the text tells us, is that they move and they rattle. Bone, click, to bone, click. And then the sinews appear, and and, and flesh and skin, and there's this vast army lying there, flesh and bone. But in the vision, there's no breath. There's no no life. The bones have got their flesh and their skin and everything else, but but there's no breath, which is kind of fascinating. And God says to Ezekiel, Okay, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to speak. I want you to speak to the breath, the ruach, the spirit. Come from the four winds and breathe. And breathe into the bones that they might live. And Ezekiel does as he's told. And he he calls on the ruach, the spirit. And sure enough, the breath comes and the bones, now clothed with flesh, come alive. Very strange, strange vision, isn't it? But it comes with a nice explanation, which is so helpful because God says to Ezekiel, now mortal, let me explain what's happened here. These bones, this is like the house of Israel. This is like my people. My people are saying our bones are dried up. We're cut off. There's no hope. Nothing's going to change. My people are despairing, in other words, Ezekiel. And I hear them, God says. And what's more is, God says to Ezekiel, I am putting my spirit within them, and they will live, and I will bring them back to their own soil. This is what I'm doing. I will bring them back. I know that they're in exile. I know that they're in in Babylon. I know that they're saying, we've lost our heart. We've lost our spirit. Our bones are dried up. We're cut off. God's forgotten us. But God says, you know what? I haven't. I haven't. And I will put my spirit within them and, and they will live. Now, what's fascinating is, is that things just didn't change because Ezekiel got this vision. They're still in exile. In fact, the entire exile lasted 70 years. So some of them would have died in exile, right? So in the vision, um, they live, but in reality, their circumstances didn't immediately change so the vision is more about people be- despairing it's more about despair rather than than, than death and life because the vision is really for the survivors who have lost hope this is a vision for survivors who have lost hope now let me let me do some application here because i think this is so uh, relevant to us today. You know, you, you've heard that phrase, I've just lost my spirit, or I don't have the spirit for this. Don't have the heart for this. You know, when, when people say that, or maybe you've said it to yourself, I just don't have the, I lost my soul. I've lost my spirit, lost the heart. What is that? That's about, it's about feeling weak. It's about fatigue It could be about anxiety and depression and trauma. We would use the word trauma nowadays. Actually, the the exiles never had that word back then, but the exiles would have been in trauma, right? If you've been wrenched from your home setting and then just put down in this completely enemy territory, I mean, there's trauma involved there. Something is wrong. Something is missing. This is way, way too hard. It's way too hard. So it's like being a refugee. It's just way too hard. So when the, the exiles found themselves in that place and the years started to pass and they're praying as God, please, would you do something about this? And nothing seems to be changing. Now, when you are in that state of exile... And I think that state of exile is very, can be very broad, right? If you find yourself in a state of exile, which is a place you don't want to be, it's, generally speaking, it's not something that you fix quickly. You know, it's, just, it's like, like the ancient people. However long you're in exile feels like it's too long. Now, for the ancient ones, it was 70 years. But, you know, for some that were born later, maybe it was just 10 years. Who knows, right? 20 years. Uh, It doesn't really matter in some ways. However long you are in a state of exile, a place you don't want to be, a situation you don't want to be in, it feels too long. It just feels too long. And and a hopelessness can set in. I think waiting for something to change is extremely challenging. Waiting for change. Well, the ancient people would say that they're waiting on God. Ancient Israel would say, we're praying, we're asking, we're pleading, God, please, let us go back home. Let us go back to the homeland. We hate it here. We don't want to be here. We're sorry. We're sorry if we did something. We're really, really sorry. We'll do anything. Please get us back. But, you know, nothing happened quickly, which is so often the case, isn't it? It's so often the case. Whether you did something and you feel like you deserve it and you're paying for it, or even maybe if you're completely innocent and something just happened, waiting for something to change is difficult and it takes great courage and it takes tenacity because you have no idea how long the waiting time is. That's why waiting so hard, right? I mean, because there's no end date. If there was an end date, then you could look forward to that and the wait would be so much easier it would be so much easier if the date was, okay, by the 15th of April, you will no longer have any conflict. In that relationship that you're worried about, it will be solved. It will be clear. You don't have to worry about it anymore, because on the 15th of April, it's a done deal. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be worried. That, that, I mean, it would be hard to wait to the 15th of April, but you would know that there was an end date, so I think the whole and there's psalms written about this by the way, about, you know, my soul waits on the Lord. More than a watchman waits for the morning. And the psalmist, the songs are all about, you know, how hard it is to, how hard it is to wait on God, how hard it is to wait for circumstances to change or for something to take a new turn or to get some insight into something. But here's what struck me about Ezekiel's vision. The bones couldn't and didn't do anything. This is actually quite encouraging because the whole vision is all about God and it's about what God does. The whole vision is a reminder about who God is and what God does. Because at this point in the story, the exiles can't do anything, right? I mean, they're just despairing. And then God gives Ezekiel this vision to encourage the people, the exiles, and us down throughout the ages because every generation has its different kind of exile, right? I mean, there was the original exile in Babylon, but there's been many, many, many different kinds of exiles since then, right? I mean, wasn't COVID an exile? Yeah, I think so. And there's lots of other kinds of exiles. We'll have many in our lives. The point is is that the dead, dry bones couldn't do anything to help themselves. Nothing happened. Until the Spirit came, the four corners of the earth, Ezekiel spoke. To the four corners, the four winds, the Spirit came. Ruach is the word in Hebrew. It's the life force. It's breath. And when the breath comes, that's when the bones and the flesh live. Before the Spirit The vision's just this vast group of lifeless bodies. So before the spirit is like, I've lost all hope. I can't go on. But when the spirit comes, it's like, you know what? There's this glimmer. It's just this, the breath of life comes and there's just a little glimmer of hope. Might just start with just a little glimmer. People are still in exile, right? They're still homesick. They still want to go back to to Jerusalem, They still miss the temple. They still miss everything. But it's like God saying, listen, people, I'm as near as your breath. I am as near as your breath. And God is saying, I know exactly what you are going through. And I know that you are waiting for change. And I know that you have waited a long time and I know what you are hoping for and I want you to know that you are not cut off from me. You are not cut off from me. Now that is what grace looks like. That's what grace looks like. When we're in that place where we're sort of at our wit's end I have no idea what to do. Actually, this reminded me a little bit of Genesis because in Genesis, not a lot's happening until life is breathed into the clay. Do you remember that part of the story where God takes the clay, the adam is the word in Hebrew. God takes the clay, fashions the clay into man, adam from the clay and there's not a lot happening so you have this man from clay not a thing happens until god breathes life into the clay it's the same thing it's the same thing it's the same imagery as ezekiel not a lot happens. Actually, it's the same image in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I think it's safe to say that anytime you see or hear about the Spirit's work, uh, yeah, new birth is happening. Something new is happening. She's up to something. Something is going on. There's a new birth there. Um bringing something out of nothing as she hovers on the waters of Genesis. Yeah, nothing happening until spirit appears, ruach appears. And it's all God, you know, it's all God. Sometimes we find ourselves like these exiles and it's just like, I, I don't know, I've lost my confidence or... I've lost my will, or I've lost my hope, or I'm out of ideas. And we really sense that it's some sort of exile of being cut off. And then the spirit comes and begins to blow on us and breathe upon us. And out of nothing, new life comes. That is the prayer. That's the prayer and the heart cry. God, when I'm sensing that I'm cut off, when I'm sensing that I'm in exile, thank you that you come and breathe new life into me. Thank you that you come and you bring hope and life and healing. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.